The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Instead of focusing on an external reason why you can't do something, focus inward and determine why you don't want to do it. And communicate your refusal based on that feeling, your identity. Why is it that you want to say no to this? Why is it that this is not a good fit for you? Welcome back to the next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kavnat. This week, I'm talking with Vanessa Patrick, author of the new book, The Power of Saying No, the new science of how to say no that puts you in charge of your life. Yesterday, Vanessa explained how saying no to things we don't want to do is dispreferred socially. Because we're more or less hardwired to get along with other members of our species, our default is to agree to things people ask us to do. We want to be seen as helpful and likable. But in the research Vanessa does out of the University of Houston's Business School, she's discovered that strategically saying no can free up our energy and talent to be better at the things we do want to do. And in the end, that will make us happier and more useful to our community. Saying no is almost like unlocking a superpower, but you have to do it right using a strategy Vanessa calls empowered refusal. Say, I don't, not, I can't. How do you communicate an effective no? How do you say no in a way that maintains your relationship with the asker and keeps your reputation intact? This is where empowered refusal comes in. Empowered refusal is a super skill of saying no in a way that is persuasive and does not elicit pushback from others. An empowered no stems from your identity and gives voice to your values, priorities, preferences, and beliefs. What my research shows is that the words we use matter. When we say, I don't, I never, I always, these words reflect determination, commitment, control, and empowerment. Consider the following example. You run a big organization and prefer to have your mornings open to do some strategic long-term planning. As a leader, you think about where your business is and where you need to go. Instead, you find yourself being pulled into early morning meetings almost every day. Instead of coming up with excuses to explain why you can't do those early morning meetings, you are better off informing your team that you don't to early morning meetings. This simple swap of words speaks volumes. When we replace the helpless and disempowered I can't with the empowered phrase I don't, we convey a decisive and firm stance and do not invite negotiation. With these words, we clearly communicate I am not the kind of person who does early morning meetings and people will listen. Because empowered refusal comes from a place of personal power, it puts you in the driver's seat of your own life and is less likely to invite pushback, to strain or damage your relationship with the asker, or to hurt your reputation. 
You start off by telling us to say, I don't, rather than I can't. Why do you think don't is so much more powerful than can't? You know, Michael, the words we use matter. Mm. And how we talk about our refusal affects how effective it is. Mm -hmm. Now, the research is about this notion of empowered refusal. And empowered refusal is a way of saying no that stems from your identity. Mm-hmm. It implicates your identity, and because it implicates your identity, it comes across as much more effective and does not get pushed back from the asker. And one of the things that I've studied is the switching of saying no in a disempowered way by saying things like, I can't, mm-hmm. to a much more empowered rephrasing by saying I don't. Mm-hmm. So by when you say I can't, and it's pretty normal for most people when they're asked to do something, they search for an excuse for why they, they need to say no, how to get out of it, right? Yeah. And very often you're going to attribute it to some sort of externality. You're going to say, oh, I really can't because of right. something outside of yourself. What I say in this research is that instead of focusing on an external reason why you can't do something, focus inward, look inward Mm -hmm. and determine why you don't want to do it Mm -hmm. and communicate your refusal based on that feeling, your identity. Mm. Why is it that you want to say no to this? Why is it that this is not a good fit for you? Right. So so some examples would be you talked about a business leader who might say, I don't do morning meetings. That's a clear scheduling decision that that person has made. Do you have any other good examples of people saying don't? Yeah, so so the a very common example would be say in the domain of eating, right? Mm-hmm. If you're at a party and someone offers you chocolate cake, you could say something like, you know, um, I'm trying to reduce my sugar, so I really mm-hmm. can't eat chocolate. Versus, you can just say, I don't eat chocolate cake, or mm-hmm. I don't eat dessert. Mm-hmm. As soon as you Say, I don't eat chocolate cake, you are not going to get the pushback. Mm. No one's going to say, hey, wh- what's one piece of cake? You know, right, right. And that's the kind of pushback you want to avoid. Interesting. When you, you don't want to get into a negotiation. And I think when you say, I can't, you invite a conversation about yeah. your decision, as opposed to I don't, which is, this is my stance, this is what I believe, this is yeah. who I am, and people are less likely to get pushback. You're actually reminding me of some research that we've talked about on this podcast around habit formation and Mm -hmm. how involving your identity in that can be helpful. So even when talking to yourself, saying, I don't eat chocolate cake is stronger than saying, I shouldn't eat chocolate cake or I should have less chocolate cake. You Because then then you're negotiating with yourself and you're like, well, maybe this one time. But if you can kind of lock in an identity of like, that's just not something I do, it's a more powerful way to to build that habit. 
Exactly. And in our research, we've actually done studies which are not only in an interpersonal context where you're saying no to somebody else, mm -hmm. but it's also in a self-regulatory context where you have to say no to yourself, to temptation. Right. And so the powerful, strong, empowered language works both in terms of talking to other people to communicate what your preferences are, but also to yourself when you're trying to discipline yourself or regulate yourself. Yeah. But now this doesn't apply to every situation, does it? What about those requests that come at me? And I don't want to do it, but I'm not sure I really have a principle or a, a rule that it violates. I just don't feel like it or I just don't think I should for some reason. So there must be a reason. And so sometimes you just have to think about what is that reason. Maybe it's you don't believe that it's a good use of your time. You don't think that it's a good use of your energy. You don't necessarily have to communicate that. You just have to say, you know, politely decline. I think the important thing to, to remember is that a request is not a requirement. And I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with. People just think that just because I am asked, I have to say yes, yeah. I have to say no. Uh, and in the book, I talk about this idea that, you know, you have this spotlight that it's almost like you have this imaginary spotlight on you when an ass comes your way. And you have this belief that you are absolutely the only person that can do this. And so this person is asking you. Uh, I often talk about the fact that we need to be humble enough to recognize that we are not that special mm -hmm. and that when people ask us something, very often they just want that thing done. And if we say no, mm -hmm. they're simply going to ask the next person. Right. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. The spotlight yeah. just shifts to the other person. And we soon realize that it is it is a good idea to say no to the things we don't want to do because if we say yes, we, we are implying that it's something we want to do. Right. Right. Or something that we do care about. I know I said I was maybe going to ask you for some marital advice, but the, <laughs> the the category of request that I struggle with is when I'm asked to do something and I just don't really think it's my job. You know, what I want to say is like, I think you should do that because that's right. your responsibility. That isn't really my responsibility. And I don't know a nice way to say that, though, and and maybe maybe in the heat of the moment, as you say, sometimes, yes. and I think we'll get into this later, there is this pressure to respond immediately. And sometimes just saying, I'd like a little time to think about this can be very helpful. 100%. That's like the number one rule. Never agree to anything in the moment. <laughs> just always take the time. What would you advise in this situation where what I, what I think the principle is, is that I don't want to spend my time on things that I think are some, someone else's responsibility. But I want to say that in a way that seems nice, you know, that's not like just you do it. I'm not going to do it. You do it. Do you know right. any any ideas for me there? So one of the, one of the most effective ways is to kind of ask why, why they are mm. asking you. So, oh, yeah. Uh, can, can you tell me why you're asking me to do this? Mm -hmm. Um is there a reason? So, so mm. basically trying to ask why, because very often uh, people are just trying to get stuff done. Right. They're not thinking about the work that you have to put in or whose job it is. Right. They just need it done. Right. And, and very often we have to be the ones asking the right questions right. to 
to kind of have the other person even think, why am I asking him to do yeah. it? You know? Uh, and, 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 and maybe there is a reason. Maybe when they're asked that, they yeah. say, oh, well, you're the only one who knows how to yes. do X or you have the password or some and, and reason. Then, and then maybe it'll make sense to you. Yes. And okay. also give you an opportunity to say, by the way, I'm not the only one. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Here, <laughs> let, me let, you know. let me share that password with you so next time you can do it. Right. So there are lots of things. In fact, I think that this is such an important act of communication because embedded in the simple issue of saying yes versus no are lots of assumptions, lots mm. of expectations, lots of erroneous beliefs. And so very often we really need to demystify the whole situation by asking the right questions and understanding why are they asking us? Mm -hmm. What is it about what is it about the situation that calls re, makes them think about us? And very often it's our past behavior. We've done it in the past. Mm -hmm. So we are gonna they're gonna reach out again because we've always been the person they go to for this. Right. And so it's a pattern of behavior. And if you want it to change, then you need to ask questions to uh, kind of make it clearer to the asker that this is a pattern that no longer works. That's it for today. Come on back tomorrow when Vanessa will share some wisdom from the great Oprah Winfrey. For decades now, Oprah has made it a personal policy to say no to requests that she's not passionate about, freeing herself to pour all her energy and enthusiasm into the things she does agree to do. You may think you need to be a super famous billionaire to pull off this kind of thing, but Vanessa will explain how us humble mortals can do it as well. One last thing, and feel free to say no, but I'm wondering if you'd consider giving this podcast a rating or a review. It's a great way to help others discover it and help spread the bounty of great ideas. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.